Okay. Well, if the computer doesn't want to cooperate, we'll just do it live. How about that? Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student radio since 1971. I'm your host, Jack Hart, alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, and joined by the illustrious co-sports director, Alex Houston. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from across the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world, however you may be tuning in today, whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna, through the information superhighway at WEGLFM.com, or watching our video live stream on YouTube. That's WEGL on YouTube. We are happy to have you on the air with us for Auburn's only student-run radio drive-time morning show. And now broadcasting live from the Bradley Basin Studios right here where we're the only people in the Harold Melton Student Center on this fine Labor Day morning, where it is a lovely 74 degrees and partly cloudy this beautiful Monday. We wish you a most sincere good morning. Alex Davis, how are we doing today? And once again, thank you for joining me on this lovely Labor Day morning. I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Felt good walking here. It's a little dark in here. We might get a little sweaty since the AC seems to be off, but other than that, pretty good. Yeah, I'm doing good myself. Uh, I overslept and missed the last few episodes, but I woke up today, so maybe we're starting a new trend here. I don't know. We'll see what happens later in the week, but yeah, it's pretty cool. I have never seen the students center like this. Even last year when they even shut it down or like you know closed it off at 8 p.m., they still left everything on, so this is definitely new. Hopefully yeah. so. Yeah, it, it appears that the student center is very much in low power mode. Um, not all the lights work, and the AC appears to not be working, so... We're, we're, um, we're making it happen with what we have here this morning. Um, we're also going to be joined by Luke later, um, WEGL's chief engineer, to get uh, for his, I think, radio debut, actually. So get excited Ooh, for that. Very exciting. Um, at this point, I would like to remind our audience that if at any point in the next two hours you feel so inclined to ask a question, drop a hot take, or in the highly unlikely event that we get something wrong, correct us. Go ahead and call in at 334 844 W-E-G-L, that's 334-844-9345. You can also shoot us a tweet at C-D-I-S-C-A-U, that's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U, and we will get to your inquiry um, as quickly as possible. So uh, let me know if that phone lights up, because I might not see it. But um, we do have some exciting stuff coming up on the Twitter account, um, probably some trivia, probably some opportunities to get your opinion on the show. So uh, keep your keep your finger on the pulse of the Twitter account, because we are ready to field all of your inquiries. But um, I guess we can address the elephant in the room, and that it is a college football Monday, in that it is the first Monday after a college football weekend, so there is a lot to get to, and we can obviously start with Auburn's 60-10 to victory over the visiting Akron Zips. What uh, I guess we can say that it went exactly as we hoped it would. You know, we hoped it wouldn't be a close game. We hoped it, we wouldn't have much to talk about, so we were thankful for that. But I think even in a blowout victory like this, there is a lot to analyze, especially when you're looking at the first game of a new coach era. So, Alex, I'll let you start with your initial thoughts on Auburn's 60-10 to 10 victory over the visiting Zips of Akron. Yeah, so I will say um, one thing about that game is I actually got my dad to get into the student section with me. I had a guest pass, and I was like, all right, now I can experience watching a football game from the student section. He'd never done it before, so I figured we'd do that. And as we're watching the game, we're both just looking at each other as Auburn continues to score and just basically saying, 
we're trying not to be too optimistic because it is Akron, right? Because it is a team that is very likely not going to win a game this year. And if they do, it'll be against an FCS-level opponent, right? Mm-hmm. They'll probably be 1-11. I don't know. This is a bottom three program in the country. Th- they're bad. They're really bad. Like, you know, and I was trying to, you know, temper my expectations because, you know, how much should this matter? But the reality is, and as my dad was telling, uh, was saying it to me and I was saying back and forth, you know, when was the last time they came out in the season opener of a game, Auburn, that is, and looked this good against a lower-tier opponent? I mean, the last time I can think of the offense looking this good in general is Arkansas in 2016? I mean, this consistently from mm-hmm. the jump. There was, ne- there was never a moment of hesitation, you know. P- you can cite the 2017 Georgia game, but Georgia kept them out of the end zone until the, until the second quarter. Of course, then they end up scoring 40, right? And it was great. Right. But, um, but, yeah, even going back to, I think, Georgia State, 2018 there was some jitters yeah I mean and then you you you're glad it didn't turn into a situation like Mercer in 2018 where constant turnovers and miscues lead to only a 14 point victory against a very meager FCS opponent exactly and you know you can even cite the last uh, home opener that Auburn had in 2019 against Tulane which was 24 to 6 and you know coming out of that game everyone's like Tulane's going to be really good you know they're going to be one of the better, you know, group of five teams. They were seven and six. They were by no means a great team that year. Mm-hmm. And Auburn certainly did not play against them like, I think, I mean, heck, I'm looking at their schedule right now, and Memphis scored 48 or 47 on them that year on Tulane, and Auburn only managed 24, and it was kind of a close game up until the end. And, you know, I think with this game, I mean, you know, the offense just looked really good. I mean, Bo was 20 for 22. He's been hovering around 50% completion percentage in every single game of his career at this point. And this was just different. And, I mean, the point to me that stood out the most from this game was not, you know, the offense just running the football at will because they should pro- they should do that against Akron, right? You know, right. the offensive line should not struggle against Akron in general. But I think what stood out to me that was really different was the last drive going into halftime because how many times – can we remember as Auburn fans watching Auburn get the ball back with two minutes left at half or whatever and thinking, okay, maybe we'll get something going before halftime. And then Gus would run his two gadget plays. They wouldn't work because they were gadget plays. And then he'd be like, oh, that's it. And then you just run it up the middle twice, and that'd be the end of the half. I mean, I can remember, you know, Georgia in 2019. Georgia, we, we couldn't stop – or Auburn could not stop Georgia for most of the game in the first half. And Gus calls a timeout thinking we'd do something with the football, and everybody in the upper deck just groaned because we knew Auburn was not going to do anything even if they got the ball. And conveniently, Georgia continued to score after that anyway. But just that was so different to me because it was so efficient. And, I mean, they went, you know, 70 yards in 58 seconds with no timeouts. And I think that that was really something that just felt very different to past Auburn teams of the last, what, nine years? That didn't – that just felt – like a different team or eight years. But that to me was like the biggest point that stood out. Because again, it is just Akron. So everything else is kind of just, you know, it's just a team they should beat, right? But that's just me. I think, yeah, the game went as expected as terms in terms of the score. But in terms of the on-field um, offensive performance, I think there was not much you could ask for the team to do any better. Um, that They both spread the ball around well. Uh, Tank ran the ball well. A lot of yards after uh, contact was was what you look for in a power back like Tank. Um, I think 
where there's room for improvement is the defense. The tackling obviously needs to improve. The QB contain needs to improve, especially in a league as competitive as the SEC when you have the most talented mobile quarterbacks uh, suiting up this fall. I think the QB contain is going to be a real pebble in the shoe of this Auburn Tigers team if they can't figure it out pretty quickly. So I will bounce the ball over to Davis to get his takes on what this team looked like on Saturday evening in Jordan-Hare. So, yeah, uh, Alex said it all pretty well, but I'm going to say that, I mean, like, yeah, they played good offensively and defensively. They played good, but, like, you're supposed you're supposed to play good against Akron. I mean, it's Akron. Yeah. They've won one game in the past two years, if I remember correctly. So it's not a team like it. Yeah, you're supposed to play great against them. They're kind of the the easy team everybody beats up on to make themselves look good. So I'm not going to get my hopes up about an offense when when they essentially played a a practice squad. I mean that's kind of mean, but like that's kind of what Akron is in terms of playing against higher level teams. So I'd say wait until we see them against a higher level opponent. Who's a, who, not Alabama State? Alabama State might be a similar to Akron. Who's after Alabama State, Jack? Penn, Penn State. State. Then, yeah. Depending on, even if we lose to Penn State, even if we looked good and we still lose to Penn State, I'll, I think Penn State will be when I really gauge it. Personally. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I think, I think really, you know, the, te- the test for Auburn is up until the Georgia game because depending on how good Georgia is, I don't think that should be really any cause for concern because Georgia looks really good right now, right? And if Auburn can't beat Georgia, that's okay. But I think it's going to really determine, as you said, Davis, how they look against Penn State and LSU because LSU does not look very good right now at all, which I want to talk about yeah. that later because it's funny. But, yeah, um, and we'll obviously get to college football later in the show, but I'll say that Penn State and Georgia both did not look very good in their season openers, and Georgia especially so. I mean, at least on the defensive side. It's a, I mean, of, it's a powerful yeah. Clemson defense they played against, but when you're a top-five team in the country and you only manage three offensive points, yeah. I, don't, I wouldn't consider that looking good. Okay, I mean, at least on the defensive side, because I think in regards to Auburn and what everyone's expectations are, people don't really care about defense anymore. Auburn's been good on defense for the last five years, and at this point, pe- when people wanted Gus gone and people got Gus gone they want the offense to look different so I was I, I meant strictly from how the offense is going to look against Georgia and LSU and Penn State because I think that was the problem the last few years you know if the defense is not as good as it was in 2019 I don't think people are going to be sounding the alarm but if the offense you know continually lays an egg on the road in big games against teams like that I think that's what I was saying is that in terms of that because Georgia's defense is great their offense it's a little suspect right now. They were probably playing against the best defensive coordinator in the country in Brett Venables, mm-hmm. who's been great at Clemson since forever. But I think they've probably got one of the best defenses going right now, if not the best. And I think that's just what I was I was saying, at least in terms of how the offense looks. I think that's what everyone's concerned about this year. Of course. So, I mean, because I just think – and again, Penn State, that's true. Penn State did not look very good, and it's very difficult to gauge what kind of Wisconsin team this is this year because Wisconsin, you know – they play the same every year. Just sometimes they're six and six, and sometimes they're ten and two. Nobody can tell the difference sometimes. So I think that's kind of a wait and see thing. But I really think, as Davis said, even if they can't win at Happy Valley, which not many people do, it's Penn State. And you know, even if you have problems against Georgia, I think if the offense looks noticeably different than the you know thirteen to seven performance against Georgia in twenty sixteen, then that's a step 
in the right direction in some regard. Right, and I think when you're when you're Brian Harson and you're taking taking the reins of such a powerful team of horses like Auburn is this season, I think the goal is to, if Georgia is still a top five team, come uh, in, in three or four weeks when Auburn plays them, which I mean I have no reason to believe they won't be. Yeah. Uh, the the goal is as 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 cynical as that sounds, just not to get embarrassed. And I, I think Auburn's on pace to not get embarrassed unless things take a radical change. And I'll knock on wood on that one, considering it is UGA will be playing against at home. Um, now, Auburn has a pretty good track record against UGA at home. They haven't won a ton, but the games have always been pretty competitive. Yeah. So um, we look to continue that success in the future on the plane. So we'll see if the array works. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick two-minute break when we come back chief engineer luke will be joining us we'll get his take on what happened on saturday and a whole lot more you're listening to compact discourse special labor day edition we'll be right back after a few minutes Well, good morning and happy Labor Day to our listeners out there this fine Monday morning, getting your week started off right by listening to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll and Alex Houston. That's Through the Lens joining me on Compact Discourse this morning. I'm also joined by WEGL Chief Engineer Luke Walker. It's great to have him in the booth as well for his radio show debut so it's great to have him on the air i know it's a little bit of a weird circumstances this morning we're in the dark student centers in low power mode it's very hot in here but uh speaking of hot we'll get right into your auburn alabama weather report where currently it is 73 degrees and partly cloudy outside we're looking at a high of 85 today so it should get pretty hot so head out to the lake or wherever you're spending your holiday it will be a nice day to enjoy that one. Not looking at very much rain today. However, we still will have some scattered thunderstorms making an appearance as it is September in Alabama. So 83 degrees and a 53% chance of rain this afternoon. That drops down to a 33% chance this evening where we still have some scattered thunderstorms. And it'll be 73 degrees, just a 24% chance of rain overnight. All right, with your weather report out of the way, I want to, of course, introduce Mr. Walker. Luke, how are you doing? Hello. In this dark corner. I'll, uh, it is good to be here. Might sh- might fall back into a sleep. In a shine the light on. Oh, yeah, you look good. It's all right. Bad, the dimmed environment. All right. Um, all right, Alex and Davis, still doing well, I presume? I mean, yeah. Making it? Yeah, that 20 minutes from early, and I'm doing terrible. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we are we are discussing Auburn football. Now we talked about the game, but now I want to talk about the atmosphere on Saturday. How it felt to be back in Jaron Hare Stadium. How it felt to be if you didn't make it into the game. How it felt to just be tailgating on the plains once again after a uh, almost two year break. I believe the last full capacity game we had on the plains was that 2019 Iron Bowl against Alabama. So what was it? Long? What were initial reactions to? 
seeing all this these waves of people come in and having two freshman classes essentially experience their first game day yeah uh i would say the only i mean the only negative was obviously that it wasn't a sellout but you can't expect that against a team like akron and again coming off a season where you know the team wasn't very good i mean it's a new era with a new coach and nobody was, knew what it was supposed to be like a lot of these games the last years haven't been as enjoyable as i would say this one has been so because you know like the tulane game from years ago was mm-hmm. just kind of a struggle and i mean they won but you know it wasn't nearly as fun because it felt like they should have won by a lot more so i would say other than that i mean it was a pretty great environment and like again i had my dad in there this was his first game inside the student section and he was just i mean he was just, had his phone out taking videos when the eagle flew directly over us he was freaking out everybody was freaking out so that was pretty cool i mean it was a pretty raucous environment in the student section considering the team we were playing and the first game of the season and everything like that so i'd say it was pretty great absolutely it was it was loud and it was packed like into halftime which you never see against a um a lesser opponent like like an akron especially when you're winning by so much yeah yeah so it was good to have the eagle back it was good to have the band back for me especially i mean the, the marching band at the beginning of the game is one of my favorite Auburn traditions, so it, I was great to have that back. I missed that dearly last year. Um, did you make it inside, Luke? I did. They actually, uh, so I think they must have overbooked the lower student section or something. They so always I, do. Yeah, I had to go up the ramp, and I was up top, but I had never been up there. It's uh, it pretty cool. We that gives us that gives us the opportunity to complain about Auburn's event organization again, if you want. Uh, I mean, I can because I of course had the broken phone, so I can I can shed some light. We were behind. Life. We had Chris with us who had to go to the, the guest pass line, which was apparently crazy. Why did he have to go to the guest pass line? Because he had a guest. Oh. <laughs> so I, 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 well, I mean, I, I didn't know he – I thought it was just the three of you, so that's why I was asking. No. That's that's something that's – because I remember back in the day, um, in, in the long ago year of 2017, I once used a guest pass, and I did have to go to a, a yeah. exclusive gate. But, I mean – why can't they facilitate that since it's That's digital? What I was wondering is why. I mean, I get it because guest passes used to be paper. Yeah, now they're barcodes on your phone. So I don't. I mean, why can't every NFC reader facilitate? That's what that? I was gonna say because I also had um, the guest pass, which made, got me stuck in the longest line outside of the stadium by far. It is like Gate Six has the longest line of any line, and um, I had to get a guest pass and. I was kind of wondering why, you know, I had to go in just this one line and why you couldn't make guest pass capabilities at all the lines. It doesn't seem that difficult. I mean, you just completely changed the ticketing system in all of six months, and now, you know, you couldn't just also add that, and that was a bit frustrating. In addition, because as I'm sitting there waiting in that line, the only thing you hear around you is just people saying, wait, we have to download what on our phone, which was just a bad, bad sign because, again, the line stopped moving every five seconds because somebody was up front not knowing they had to do it on their phone or somebody's phone clearly wasn't working. I mean, that's just one more reason why you should be listening to Compact Discourse. That, 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 yeah, that, that happened to did. us in the regular line. There was a but there was, there was also, a conniption. Yeah, there was also people's phones who clearly weren't working. and I, You could see that because there would just be parts would just stop. The mm-hmm. line would not move at all. You wouldn't go through the metal detector. You, people wouldn't go through the scanner. And... I thankfully didn't have to even go through that because I, with my phone not working, knew in advance, so they checked me in. So I just had to go through the line to people in orange polos, as the lady described it, and convince them that I'd already been checked in, then get double-checked in again, and then get my barcode scanned for a guest pass, which was actually kind of easier than the whole having to convince everybody. But, yeah, that was kind of unfortunate because, I mean, you could tell, again, that's on the students for not reading their emails. That's not the university's fault that people didn't know to do that, right? Because the university sent out YouTube videos. They sent out, you know, email after email after email explaining the process. 
Now, the fact that it doesn't work for some people's phones, like myself and other people in front of me that I could tell, that's a bit of a problem. Because again, you know, I don't think the plan in place to account for that is very good. But other than that, I think the rest of it just goes on to the students for not knowing. Because again, they sent out countless information. My roommate who had already done it watched the video anyway to make sure he did it right. So like, if you did that, they would have been fine. But there were so many kids who just didn't pay attention. And then they're like having to get their friend explain it to them in the middle of the line, which again, at most people's works fine. But what if your phone doesn't want to download it on the wallet that efficiently at the time? Then, you know, other problems. So that was, but again, that's on the students than on the university. So they made it abundantly clear. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but yeah. Did you have any trouble getting in, Luke? I did not, but I did see. So I, I probably had to wait thirty minutes or so in the in the student section line, mm-hmm. and then once everyone got to the front, if your thing, if your phone wasn't working, you had to go back out into a separate line. Yeah. So I think it was gate six, which is what yeah. you were talking about. They were sending that pretty much been, anyone with any kind of problem got deferred yeah, to gate that, six. That would have been brutal if you already wait thirty minutes and you go back out and got to yeah, wait. Your phone was dead. Forty-five six, or so. Which everything. I know why they did it gate six because gate six had this table where they were able to swipe in your card. Mm. Which again, I don't know why you don't put those stations yeah. at every <laughs> single gate. Well, and again, if you put it at every single gate, then that just defeats the purpose of having this the scan because I mean, you okay. can just swipe your card. I guess I just. I don't know. I mean, because Gate 6 was a mess. I mean, there was, I mean, it, it honestly was reminding me of Kentucky where people, just, people were just running in. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, punched, it was ma- a man on fire. It was, it was, it was just, I mean, it was ridiculous, but you know, it is what it is. I mean, I don't know. Well, you live and learn. At least it wasn't the iron ball. Yeah, exactly. And now I know to go a lot earlier to account for that because Gate 6 was, I, I never went too early because gate six yeah. was. I never had problem. I never went to gate six. I wasn't particularly concerned with getting a great seat because I knew it would thin out pretty quickly, which it didn't. Yeah, actually, surprisingly. So I love that as a, as a fan of keeping the student section like full and loud. So that was great. It was on me. I mean, I showed up just whenever because I wasn't particularly concerned with where I was sitting. So we were squeezed in a bit tight, but um, I haven't been to the student section in quite a while. So I was excited to be back. After, because uh, I know you got to get there early if you want to sit where you want. So, uh, come come Georgia time, I think I'll be, uh, you know, yeah. pack pack it a lunch if 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 you will. <laughs> I mean, at three a.m. <laughs> definitely. But I mean, it's just yeah. I will say um, that that is one of the funniest things as you mentioned how the student section stayed packed and it did. But like, I I always love how the university will post something about how. The student section is still here, and it's just a vi- it's just a video of only the block seating, which they are not allowed to leave. And like, it's very clever, because I, I mean, yeah. people that like a lot of people don't know about that. We students know about it, but like everyone's like, oh my gosh, so much dedication, and it's like, well, it's a nice can't. little it's a nice little ruse oh. they have going. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just thought that was always kind of funny, because like, I mean, again, if I was there, I wouldn't leave anyway. But like, I mean, I just think it's always kind of funny. Did you stay the like, whole game, is- Alex? Uh, no, I did not. Oh because- wow. <laughs> I mean, okay. He wasn't in the you box. just said you wouldn't leave. Well, I mean, yeah, but then my dad, who was there with me, left, and then it was like, okay, let's just all filter oh, okay. our way out so anyway. You just lied is what you did. I mean, I mean, not not necessarily, but in mo- I mean, look, okay. All I'm saying is, I saw the student section start to filter out at halftime, and I stayed anyway. So, not not much long after that, but again, I mean, what time did you leave? Um, I think it was like midway through the third quarter. Wow. What time did you leave, Davis? At the beginning of the fourth. Ah, very we, st- we, 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 we hung it out. 
I was mainly sticking around to make sure they still had the Takeo Spikes hype video. That was pretty much my my entire investment. That was sure. awesome. Exactly. Coming back from halftime, yeah. the lights out, Spikes, whatever song that was, I need to figure out because it was hype. Yeah, because they had they had um they had the video at the start of the game with uh, Trevon Reed, which he said very similar things. So I was like, oh, they replaced it, which I was sad about because the Takeo Spikes video they've been doing it for four years and it never fails to give me hype in the game. And then. He shows up at at, at a at the uh, end of halftime, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, he's I'm, here!" I'm gonna I, be honest. I thought we had like a power outage, like the Super Bowl for a second when all the lights went yeah, out. Yeah, that was. That, I was yeah, like, was "Oh cool. well, the uh, game's over." I, it was just. I mean, yeah. talk about a way to get everybody's attention, though. Yeah, I mean, it went dead silent. Yeah, I mean, we were sit like because we everybody was sitting down around us. We were just sort of counting down the time until. Mm-hmm. But then the second the lights went, I mean, everybody jumped yeah. up like that. This like, is also my first time seeing the LEDs in person because. I did not go to any. I, I went to one game last season. It was the A and M game, which was an 11 a.m. game. So I didn't really get to yeah. see those. But I assume these were the same lights they were lights effects they were using last year. Yes. But first time at a full stadium. Yes, so exactly. So I, I imagine it was it was quite the spectacle if they, you weren't able to see it. I went to the Tennessee game last year, which was like started at like six, but then eventually got, it got dark enough to use it at halftime, mm-hmm. and it is cool to see it from the upper decks you can see everything sort of happening because that's where we were sitting at that time but i mean being in the student section with all of it happening is just yeah it's cool so and i think i think you know even for an akron environment it got hype but like if we when we play georgia right and it's you know eighty seven thousand people against what is going to be probably the number two or number one team in the country i think that environment is going to be insane especially with all that at play but yeah so. All right. Well, we are going to be playing Alabama State this Saturday. That is September 11th at 11 a.m. Central Time on the SEC Network. Alabama State is 1-0 to Auburn 1-0 as well. And uh, with that, we will be opening up today's trivia question, this week's trivia question. Of course, last week we were talking about kangaroos because that was Akron's mascot. But uh, I don't really, I couldn't think of any Hornet trivia so we're going to be doing Alabama State trivia. How about that? Uh, you like that? We'll, we'll, we'll play on words. Oh, All right. Gosh. So this is a fun question. You, guys must, you might get a kick out of this one. So Alabama is home to one of the most bizarre and rare natural occurrences to ever occur, if you will, uh, in history. And that is in the town of Oak Grove, Alabama, which is near Sylacauga, in the uh, 50s, a meteorite fell from the sky, as they tend to do. And it became the first ever recorded and verifiable instance of a meteorite doing something very specific. And the trivia question is, what did this meteorite do? And why is it so infamous? So, if you think you know, mm-hmm. you can go ahead and shoot us a tweet, at cdiscau, that's at c-d-i-s-c-a-u. Um, if no one gets it, we'll continue to provide some hints throughout the week, and if someone does get it, we'll, in- we'll earn another trivia question. So, I mean... Either way, we're going to have some fun. But we are going to talk about that a little more, and we're going to talk about some college football on the other side of this break. You are listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WEGLFM.com, and potentially our YouTube stream. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. 
I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex Houston, Davis Carroll, and Luke Walker on this fine Labor Day morning. We're just sunny and 75. We're expecting a little bit of rain later today, so plan accordingly if you're heading out to Lake Martin or however you're spending your holiday off of work, school, or what have you. Although we are still working hard in the booth for you this morning just to provide you a little bit of entertainment on this long weekend for you. And of course, we had to come back because we had to talk about some college football because it was, of course, college football debut weekend on Saturday. And then, of course, another excellent game last night on Sunday. So we could not let this one hang any longer. We had to come back and talk about it. So we will kick things off with some scores as I pull them up. Alex, what were your initial reactions to the entire slate of games overall? Did you feel good about the marquee games? Did they live up to it, or were you disappointed by anything? I will say one thing is uh, Clemson's uh, quarterback, whose name I'm totally forgetting. DJ Ugalele, yes. I want to say. I, I, I want to say that's right. Um, yeah, he looked bad. Like, Georgia's defense looked good, but he, like, didn't look great at all. And, you know, people mention how he was sacked seven times in the O-line, this and that, but, I mean— a lot of it was because he stood in the pocket way too long. And I was just kind of confused on that because I know Notre Dame wasn't, you know, a juggernaut last year as seen by when Alabama ran through them in the play in the playoff. But he tore through Notre Dame's defense last year, and they were by no means a bad team or a bad defense. But he looked great. And now it seems very much, I don't want to say Jeremy Johnson-esque situation, but, I mean... Hype train off the rails, like you will. He looked good in one game when he wasn't the starter, and now he's the starter, and he looked bad. Like, I mean, there was all these times he would just randomly pump fake. There'd be no receiver nearby, nobody near open. He'd just randomly do that. And then it would do nothing, of course, because the Georgia defense wasn't going to fall for it because there was nothing. I, I don't know. It was just odd. But that was the one thing. And also LSU looked bad, and that was funny. I just... I'm not going to pretend to like LSU. I don't. So that was that was enjoyable to see Chip Kelly like basically reestablish his program on the back of Ed Orgeron falling apart. So that was I thought that was great. But All right. So let's do scores. I got a sound bed and everything. I'm ready. Let's hit it. All right. In your college football week one action, we had Ohio State taking down Minnesota. I was on Thursday. Coastal Carolina all over the Citadel in-state rival. Utah takes down Weber State 40-17. Arizona State's all over Southern Utah 41-14. On Friday, the big upset was Virginia Tech. Enter Sandman taking down UNC and Sam Howell 17-10. And on that marquee Saturday, we had Alabama creaming Miami 44-13 in the Chick-fil-A kickoff game. Tulane hanging with number two Oklahoma after that game got moved to Norman. Georgia barely squeaking out Clemson with one touchdown, and it was a defensive one scored in that entire game. Georgia wins that one 10-3 in Charlotte. Texas A&M took down Kent State. 41 to 10. Iowa State barely gets by Northern Iowa 16 to 10. Cincinnati all over in-state rival Miami of Ohio 49-14. Oregon barely escapes the upset 31-24 over Fresno State. Big 10 matchup Penn State with a game-sealing interception to take down Wisconsin 16 to 10. Florida in the swamp 35-14 over FAU. USC handles San Jose State 30 to 7 and of course UCLA dominates LSU 38-27. Big 10 matchup in Kinnick, Iowa 
dumpsters Indiana 34 to 6 and the upset of the weekend that was Montana defeating number 20 Washington in Seattle Montana defeats Washington for the first time in over a hundred years that is the one of the first that is the third time ever an unranked FCS opponent has taken down a ranked FBS opponent I've been in a game I know Jacob Hillman had his eyes on Louisiana was not enough for Steve Starkeesian's Texas Longhorns as they win by 20 points 38 to 18 and the big game last night Notre Dame and their sufficient kicking legs take care of the Florida State Seminoles in Tallahassee that was a McKenzie Milton led comeback took it to overtime but Notre Dame was too much as the Irish have the luck of the Irish and they win 41 to 38 in a single overtime and that was your college football scoreboard for week one September 4th and 5th 2021 how'd you like that excellent some perfect timing thank you guys very very smooth appreciate it a little padding any games jump out to you there Davis the only one I really watched besides Auburn was the FSU Notre Dame one, which was uh, pretty cool to see FSU come back. Didn't see the whole thing, but Mackenzie Milton kind of started to lead them back before they could not get it done after their kicker missed the field goal in overtime. But it is what it is. It was an interesting game to see the latter or the end half of. I guess the latter half would be the right term. But I mean, interesting to see a Florida State program that has struggled mightily since the departure of Jimbo, um, take a playoff contender, Notre Dame, really to the wire. Who, and who, who is Notre Dame paying to get put top five every year? I mean, the all the Notre Dame alums work at ESPN. Okay, so. that's fair. I mean, okay, this, the simple fact is um, Notre Dame goes undefeated or goes 11-1 every year. The last time they didn't win 10 games was, I think, four or five years ago. Like, but what's the weight of that eleven and one or that undefeated? I mean, okay, but what's what's the weight of say Oklahoma going? Okay, wait, just Alex get... is very biased here. His dad's a Notre Dame fan. I'm not biased. Yes, you that, are. Okay, I mean, Notre Dame's like your second favorite team. I mean, is that the case? Yes, but the argument still stands because the simple facts are: what's the argument for the Big Twelve or the Big Ten every time they got mauled in the playoff? Notre Dame gets beaten just as badly, if not. Not as bad as Oklahoma a few times in the playoffs, and everyone's like, oh, they're really bad. But, yeah, Lincoln Riley's a genius. Make Oklahoma top five. It's the same thing. I think it's the no-conference championship game that, Which get, that I, gets to people. I, I still think that's stupid. I mean, I, I, I mean no disrespect to anybody that supports the conference championship thing, but the whole, ooh, the five uh, conference champions are the automatic five bids, like an 8-4 and four Pac-12 champion is really going to do some damage in the playoff. It's ridiculous. Notre Dame is better than an 8-4 and four Pac-12 champion just because they don't play in the Pac-12 and don't play in the championship game. They're not. It's stupid. Like, it's, like, I don't get it. What is it, what is it, what does it matter if you play in the conference championship or not? Like, Clemson playing against a 7-6 and six Virginia team one time, did that really make them that much better than Notre Dame? They were better than Notre Dame in general, but does playing a 7-6 and six Virginia mean anything? Like, is that what Notre Dame needs to do? They need to go in a conference and play nobody? in the championship game, and then therefore they're suddenly with the powers that be. You really struck a chord with them, Jack. No, because that, I'm sorry, that argument is, oh, I've seen people make that argument. It's always bothered me in general. In regards to Notre Dame, I mean, they go undefeated. They go 10-2. They go 11-1 every year. And they don't just play, you know, Navy and, you know, they play, they've mixed with the ACC now to where they play six ACC games. They only didn't do that because they want to be able to preserve their storied rivalries with everybody because they play USA, USC. They've been playing USC since 1902. I don't know how long it's been, but it's been a while, right? You know, 
They even did. They even played the ACC and gave up a rivalry with Michigan, which went back to forever as well. I don't know. I just I realized I was getting a little heated there. I apologize. I just like I don't. I I think if you go eleven and one every single year, you deserve to be ranked. And they are ninth. They're not third. You know, they're not. I mean, Clemson was ranked fifth despite the fact they lost Trevor Lawrence and, again, did not look very good in the playoff. They didn't look bad in Notre Dame. But, I mean, Clemson was fifth for playing a weak ACC schedule every year. I mean, who, who's the good team in the ACC to challenge them? North Carolina? Nope. Florida? Or, no, no Florida State, I mean. Virginia, Miami? I mean, Virginia Tech at this point. Yeah, but, I mean, Justin Fuente has had four years and he's been decent, like seven and six every year. This year might be his, you know, finally getting things together at, at Virginia Tech, but still. Don't know. I mean, so, I mean, I think they're deserving of ninth. You know, they're not. I mean, LSU got 16th, and what did LSU do? Legitimately. They were terrible last year. I don't know where 16 on LSU came from. Yeah, that that one is beyond me at that point. I mean, you want to make an argument against any team being ranked that high, it's them. Okay, Alex, what do you say to Notre Dame last year playing two ranked opponents? I mean, how many ranked opponents did Clemson play last year? But the Okay, but you can make the same argument for Clemson being ranked too high. I mean, they played two ranked opponents and they go undefeated, Davis, and they do it. Yeah, every they played year. Duke, South Florida, Florida State, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Georgia Tech, Clemson. Almost lost to Boston College, UNC, Syracuse, uh, Clemson again, and then got routed by Alabama in the Rose Bowl. The the, the, sim- the simple fact is, Davis, is a lo- there's been a number of times where an ACC champion or a Big Twelve champion has played only two teams or a Big Ten team for that matter. And you can make the argument against all of college football, but the fact that Notre Dame is isolated amongst that group is what bothers me. Not, it's not isolated. They are isolated. SEC fans do it about Alabama all the time. Alabama plays the SEC schedule. And also Alabama plays no-name schools, route them, and then they get ranked up higher. I mean, I mean, what, what are those no-name schools? But, I mean, that, that, that argument's not even fair in this regard either because, I mean, what is, what is like Auburn's schedule this year compared to Alabama? How is Auburn's that much better? Or worse, for that matter, right? They're playing Akron, Alabama State, Georgia State, and a Penn State team that was not very good last year. They might be better this year. Nobody really knows. But, I mean, Bama played Miami, and everyone's like, oh, you're playing a no-name team in the opener. Miami's about as bad as Penn State is, probably. Maybe. Again, we don't know, because Penn State, and they've only all played one game, and Penn State was supposed to be really good last year. I mean, I just think... I think the Notre Dame of the past is still thought as the Notre Dame of the present. I mean, they're still a solid team, but, like, they're not winning the championship. What do you mean of the past? Like, past, like, in the past. I mean, I mean. Like, classic Notre Dame, that was the, that was the team. The f- the they're fact- not the team anymore. I mean, they they really weren't even the team since, like, the 60s. To yeah, begin yeah, with. since like Rudy. The past. Yeah. Since Ru- Rudy. Um, I mean, they go, they, they. The dom- same thing with Michigan. It's like uh, an imagined well, the funny and thing imagine about prestige. Michigan is they never were any good, but nobody really likes to mm-hmm. discuss that. They have like their their best their best claim to fame is they beat Ohio State like six out of fourteen times in a stretch, and they were like, "This is really good." So, all right, but, well, we can move on to something that we can all agree on here in, that, here, here in SEC country, and that is making fun of the Pac-12, and as they had uh, four ranked teams in the top twenty-five, and all of them had they all of them. One except for Washington, and we will get to breaking down that after the break. So when we come back, we're going to talk about this packed whatever the Pac-12 has going on, as well as the Big 12, whose only team who will be sticking around, i.e., not Oklahoma or Texas, 
was uh, almost served a bitter L. So we will get to the Pac-12 and the Big 12. When we get back from a break, you are listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Luke, Alex, and Davis on this beautiful Labor Day morning. We are working hard so you don't have to this fine Monday morning. It is September 6th, 2021. I know a few folks with a birthday today, so happy birthday to them. It is a beautiful Monday morning, as I said, so... Get out there and enjoy it before the rain comes later on today. Avoid it if you can, if you're heading out to the lake or just the pool, enjoying this sunny weather. I know it's been a little chilly the past few days. It was a little cold on Saturday even uh, for a few moments there once the sun sets. So uh, fall is coming, so enjoy summer while you still can. What did you guys get up to on Saturday um, uh, outside of the game, I might, I might ask? Wait, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? Oh my goodness! Did you have any? Uh, did you have any fun on Saturday outside of outside of football related activities, Alex? Uh, I mean, the, yeah, there wasn't really anything else other than football related activities. I must admit. Okay, fair enough. I went to Chipotle after the game, so that was a a good experience. Was that was that a circus? It was. It was Chipotle is a, a little bit packed after. Chipotle is uh, a circus on any given Tuesday. I yes. can't imagine what a game day would be like. I actually saw the fastest uh, bowl maker I've ever seen. He was. He was speeding through the line. He was like that guy at Domino's that folds the pizza boxes really quickly. (laughs) Awesome. And I gave him a compliment about it. I was like, you are the fastest I've ever seen. He was like, no, there's definitely people that could blow me out of the water with this. Do you think Chipotle corporate has like a con? Like, you know how they have like lumberjack contests to see who can like saw logs the fastest? They do that at Waffle House, so. Okay, okay. I I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you know, Waffle House got that like, you know, you could become a Waffle House employee, then you become like, you can like a grill master, I think. Yeah, you get the the blue hat. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what the official term is, but like they, like, so if Waffle House does it, would not be surprised if Chipotle does. Seems to be an easy opportunity just to motivate people, but. I'll look into it. Go ahead, Dave. Do your research. Be, Be our researcher. Thank you. All right, so let's talk a little more about football around the country. I know the Big 12 um, saw a little bit of action. Um, Texas took down Louisiana 38-18, to and Oklahoma was hosting Tulane. They jumped out to a big lead but allowed Tulane to come back, ended up only winning by five. I saw that that is the first time that Tulane has scored more than 24 points against a Power 5 opponent. How about that? Like ever? I think so. That didn't they used to be in, involved in the SEC? Well, I think this is like in the in the Power oh, Five. Okay, G5 sorry. Yeah. Era. Okay. Right. Right. My bad. My bad. Um, um. Yeah. Back in like the forties. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So, um, oh, so Oklahoma showing a little bit of weakness early. However, uh, I'm old enough to remember when Oklahoma and Army went to overtime in a game that nobody could watch, and then Oklahoma was fine. That was awesome. I mean, that's because Army's like the kryptonite to teams like that because they just hold the ball for 13 minutes of drive and then teams don't know what to do. Especially if you're Oklahoma and you're used to yeah, exactly. scoring in two minutes. I mean, but 
I guess the point is, I mean, it's not to sound the alarm bells because obviously they're not going to be in trouble, but, like, this is just Oklahoma. Like, they they don't stand a chance in the playoff. They don't stand a chance against a team that's actually, you know. Even with presumptive Heisman winner Spencer Rattler I don't know. feeling the ball? He's not presumptive. First of all, tank for Heisman. But anyway. I, I don't know. I think, I think Bo, Jack was being facetious. Bo Nix is kind of a dark, a dark horse for oh, Heisman it, this year. I mean, he is having fun, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just yeah I feel like it's not to sound the alarm bells. That's just Oklahoma. That's the Big but Twelve. But with Texas and Oklahoma out of the way, who are leaving the Big Twelve very soon, um, that leaves the head the, the the man of the household of the Big Twelve to I, uh, Iowa State, the Cyclones, who only beat Northern Iowa by six. Yeah, that's bad. That um, is not a good look for the the remaining shambles of the Big Twelve. And it could be dangerous when they have to play the Iowa Hawkeyes based on how they looked against Indiana but yeah that's that's not that that could be bad but again apparently the Big 12 is currently in the process of making calls to a number of teams throughout apparently UCF is being one of them Houston of course being another BYU additionally so I think they have a chance for survival if they just turn into basically being what people think the American was supposed to be where it's just a bunch of really competitive ultra competitive teams with each other not necessarily nationally competitive but a lot of fun games and I mean if that works out for them I think that's kind of what could be their sort of you know thing for the Big 12 but I don't know so so uh, yeah and that Iowa defense is going to be very good as they always are in Kinnick who t- took a Indiana team who I know some people were pretty hyped about maybe even getting to Indianapolis to play in the Big Ten championship game held them just six points in Kinnick on Saturday so Iowa is another team to look out for in the Big Ten but Heading over to the Pac-12, uh, of course, Utah and Arizona State are ranked 24 and 25, respectively. They both easily handled their FCS opponents, so not really much to read into there, but they are at the very end of the top 25 poll. But the more interesting things are Oregon, who very nearly had a loss to Fresno State in Alston Stadium on Saturday, They are the highest-ranked team in the Pac-12, sitting at number 11. And then you had USC, ranked at number 15, who pretty much dominated San Jose State in the Coliseum on Saturday. But the big headline is, of course, Montana, who went into Husky Stadium and defeated the Washington Huskies 13-7, which you rarely see a score that low in a Pac-12 game, especially against an FCS opponent. Usually when FCS opponents defeat FBS opponents, it's a very high-scoring game yeah. where the FBCS opponent, you know, makes some big plays, catches some breaks, just out outlasts a, a team that underestimated them. But this is a team that came in and defensively dominated a Washington team that was ranked number 20, and a Pac-12 team goes down out of playoff consideration, you know. It always happens, but you don't expect it this early. Yeah, I saw somebody uh, who made an argument last week about the Pac-12 is not that bad. They just all beat each other. Like, they're what the SEC thinks they are. (laughs) And, of course, this is now ironic because— that might be true in, like, water polo, but in in football— Yeah, I was about to say, in this regard, um, yeah, I don't know about that, especially because now they don't beat each other. They just lose to their—any opponent they have on their schedule, apparently, including Montana. And there was also that article where some dude was like— because apparently— Washington and Montana play each other a lot. Like, this is, like, actually, like, a historic sort of rivalry between FCS and FBS thing. And somebody was writing how this is such a pointless thing for Washington and it should be discontinued because Washington wins all the time, which Mm -hmm. that, of course, 
and did badly. Of well. course, yeah. I mean, it's a big check sent over to the to the Montana Athletics Department, and they get a a, a W to boot as exactly. well as they, uh, I believe, pick off Washington on their attempted game-winning drive. Yeah. But I mean, how 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 likely is that when you've only scored seven so far in the entire Which, game? Does that mean they're now favored to win the FCS championship because they did just beat? I mean, they probably have the best win of any FCS team right now. I would say so far, but I mean. I, I, you have like South Dakota State beat Iowa State not too long ago, and they 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 did well. But I think it, it's it's hard. FCS is pretty competitive in and of itself. Good point. And it's it's hard to get up for every game like you do for a, a Washington game. But that is, as I mentioned, the first time in over a hundred years that Montana has defeated Washington. And like Alex said, they do play a lot, so it's not like that. South Carolina and Auburn stat from last year where it was, oh, South Carolina has never beaten Auburn before, but they had only played like three times since 1930. Yeah. So this is an actually meaningful stat. Indeed. All right, and just any final thoughts we have about college football Saturday? I know we're all getting excited for Ole Miss and U of L going on tonight. Lane Kiffin, of course, out with COVID-19. But Ole Miss should be just fine. Uh, we haven't seen, we haven't really seen any any coaches being out for COVID affect games too much. At least I'm just going off of last season. I mean Alabama did fine in their two games without Nick Saban. I'm struggling to think of any other examples. But I, I think Ole Miss will be just fine. Uh, I think you can't attribute anything any any of their performance in the game on Saturday or on tonight to missing lane but I don't know how strong this Louisville team is going to be and I really don't know how strong this Ole Miss team is going to be obviously we expect the offense to be firing on full cylinders and put up 65 but is the defense going to be a turnstile and let Louisville do the same so yeah definitely I think that's one thing to watch for and you know which version of Matt Corral will Ole Miss get the Mm -hmm. six interception Matt Corral or the one that people believe is a Heisman contender right this is I think you know, he could still be in Heisman contention even if he plays terrible tonight, but I think he's got to, you know, start it well, and that'd be the way to do it is tonight. So, All right, so that's going to wrap up our college football discussion for this first hour of the show on our first official college football Monday of the year. So get excited for every Monday episode of Compact Discourse. We'll have a revolving door of people in here to analyze the week's games And I'm sure we'll have some people to talk about the week of games throughout the week. I do want to remind everybody, our dedicated listeners, that we will not be having a show on Thursday. So just Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week. So I hope you will tune in to all of those. We're also going to reiterate our Twitter question of the week, which is an Alabama State trivia question in honor of the Auburn Tigers taking on Alabama State this weekend at 11 a.m. in Jordan-Hare Stadium, and that is there once was a meteorite that fell in Oak Grove, Alabama, which is right next to Sylacauga. You've probably seen it if you've driven to Birmingham on 280, and this meteorite is infamous for being the first verifiable recorded instance of a meteorite doing one specific thing, so we are going to ask what that one specific thing is, and so if you can answer that question, you will win a shout-out on Compact Discourse, and you'll be issued another trivia question as a challenge for Alabama State Trivia. So, for Jack Hart, Luke, Alex, and Davis, we'll be right back in about five minutes for the rest of the show. Thank you for listening, and we will be back in just a little bit. 
Good morning, Auburn, and welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. It is 9.02 a.m. on September 6, 2021. That's Labor Day for all you listening out there, so go out and enjoy your day off of work, school, or what have you. We are not taking the day off, though. We are right here with you, broadcasting live from the Bradley Bayesden WEGL studios here in the Harold Melton Student Center, where it is in low power mode. So if you're watching our video live stream on the Weagle YouTube page, it's a little darker than usual, but we're making it work, uh, although it is a little hot in here. So cue the Nelly, if you will. Good morning. <laughs> Ooh. All hey, right. don't, uh, that's a good song, Alex. I'm don't hate on kidding. Nelly. All right. So uh, I am, of course, your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside... Co-sports director Alex Houston, chief engineer Luke Walker, and civilian Davis Carroll. Thank you guys for joining me on this Labor Day. Luke, how are you feeling about being on the show so far? Pretty good. Pretty. Uh, it's my first radio debut, so glad I uh, got to spend it with you all and hang out. We're honored that you chose Compact Discourse to be your radio debut. Alex Davis, still making it this fine Monday morning? I mean, I got a little heated earlier, but yeah, I'm okay. All right, good. We'll, we'll we'll add that to the list of, of touchy subjects, and just, we won't we won't talk about it again. <laughs> now I now I have another button to push on Alex. Oh me. my gosh! Our Notre Dame Conference Champions. This is it's only going to get worse as the year goes on, isn't it, Davis? I don't know, Alex. <laughs> All we right. Don't know. So we are currently monitoring the weather as well. So I know everybody's out enjoying their fine. Monday morning, but of course it is 73 degrees and sunny. Um, it's pretty empty out on campus, so it is a great day to take a walk or stroll around campus without anybody asking you to vote for anything or sign up for any clubs. So that would be a great opportunity to do that. We are looking at a little bit of rain coming in, 53% chance of scattered thunderstorms this afternoon. That's going to drop to a 33% come this evening. And we're still, we still got our eyes on Hurricane Larry, which is moving swiftly across the Atlantic. It's been upgraded to a Category 3. It is off the northeastern coast of Barbados currently, so it will probably be hitting the eastern seaboard of the United States coming up later this week. So be sure to keep your eyes on Hurricane Larry if you haven't checked that one out already to see if you're in the immediate path of that one. All right. So we are jumping right into things, seeing what is trending today. You guys, you guys got anything? I'm just um, kidding. I mean, I actually saw some stuff, but not hold up. I lost it again. Anything interesting, Alex? Oh, uh, Mark Hamill tweeted Mark Hamill and got thousands of likes, and then other people also tweeted. <laughs> okay, once Mark again, Hamill. something interesting. Um, that is not really much, to be honest. Yeah, it seems. Oh wait, I mean, there was apparently a coup. That, that, that's what Twitter says right now. In Turkey? No, in uh, Guinea, apparently. There is now a nationwide curfew after the apparent ousting of their president. I don't know what happened there, but... Okay. I don't know if that okay. qualifies as interesting, Yeah. I said trending, so... Okay. I'm looking. Fair enough. It's good to see a nice coup that, on Monday morning. I, I don't... All right, all, I almost had a, a Brian Kelly moment there. Okay. Oh, my yeah. gosh. That was... I'm, sp- I'm surprised you didn't talk about that. It will be a home run. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean Brian Kelly, what was up with that? Was that just like a a miscue? 
so he's famously hot-headed. Um, Notre Dame fans will remember the time that in his debut, Notre Dame was not very good, and he was losing it on the sideline. Then had a priest follow him around so he wouldn't curse as much on the sideline. So like, what? he's no, yeah, yeah. This is legitimately. This was is it not like, was it Notre like a, Dame like folktale. This is real. Was it like a plain cl- clothes priest, or was he like have the collar? No, he had the, he had the whole okay. the whole getup okay. and everything. I can um, picture it. And yeah, because Kelly on his first game, like that's where all the like memes of him yelling and loot. Because Notre Dame was very bad when he came to uh, take over, and so yeah, he's famously very hot-headed, and that's like kind of been his thing. And it's very, you know, anti the Notre Dame way, I guess you want to say in quotes. Nobody really cares that much because he, I mean, as long as you get results, you get results, yeah. right? But that's kind of his thing. So I was not surprised, but that was certainly a bit more in detail, you know, threatening to execute all of your team. Seemed a bit bold. Not sure how that's going to work for motivational tactics, but definitely odd. Yeah, he did have a slip of the tongue, though, last night when he said, that instead of the team needed to execute, that he needed to execute the team. I don't know if that was a slip of the tongue, though. That's 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 what I'm saying. Is like like yeah, you can't really say that in any other way. That, that's what I'm saying. Is like I I can't with a hundred percent conviction say, oh, he just messed up. That sounds like something he would actually say as a motivational tactic. This is very much in line sometimes. Don't care. Work harder. Like, so that's where like I I maybe it was, but like also would not have been surprised if it wasn't. So. That's Brian Kelly. It's but a, it's, a, it's a good message to have for the team. I, I don't know if it's a good <laughs> message, Jack. Yeah, I mean you should you should be scared of your superiors, right? Yeah, that's you <laughs> at the next at the next uh at the next organization meeting you can say, All right guys, you better knock it out of the park of this PSA, so I'm gonna have to execute all of you. Maybe you think that'll work out well, Jack? Mm, yeah. I mean it, it's motivating. In, in some way, I suppose. Well, if you're wondering about Guinea, aluminum prices are hit all-time high. So buy your aluminum, aluminum yeah. while you can. Buy your, your soda products. Wouldn't it be sell it while you can? Well, if you need aluminum. Oh. How many people have a, a stockhold of aluminum in their house? At one point in my life, I did. Well, I, I had a great deal of aluminum cans in my home. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's what Davis is talking about. What? It's aluminum, so yeah. Soda prices might go up. Oh, think uh-oh. about it. Oh, that'd be bad. <laughs> All right. So, can we get a preview of what you guys are talking about on on through the lens this week? Uh, we're actually, I believe, we're postponing the episode till might next just week, be late. What, what next episode is going to be? Spider Man, the Sam Raimi, Raimi trilogy. trilogy, starring Tobey Maguire. You have watched the first two. I, Jack, I enjoy these films. Yeah, which yeah, you're and speak, just you're speaking my language. Everything from what's good about them to what's maybe not so good to all the funny in between, as in you know how campy they may be and whatnot, and just you know we're kind of doing it to lead up to the next because you know the, this uh, new Tom Holland Spider-Man movie is supposed to be kind of you know the crossover of all the universes. So we're gonna do these. Then later down the line, we're gonna do the Andrew Garfield. Uh, what is it? Amazing. I mean, I mean, like you you can't call it a trilogy. Do you call Duology? it duology? Yes, that. <laughs> There you go. I guess. Um, we're gonna, and then we're going to probably do the Tom Holland ones leading up to that. So, yeah. But and friend of the show, Chris Tobias, probably going to be on the show. I think we asked him. He said, sure. Yeah. Uh, no, noted Tobey Maguire lookalike, Chris Tobias. That's true. Indeed. Um, but, yeah, it's just – I think it's going to be really fun because those movies are, you know, I mean, some of the stuff that was, one, written and then also done in those movies are just hilarious – from, you know, stuff that's great to stuff that's, you know, like Mary Jane's hair blowing in the wrong direction as she holds on to a styrofoam Spider-Man as they swing through the city. That's like, a good one. That's that, cute. That, that one's also just, like, kind of ridiculous. But 
the movies are very much they're kind of, I feel like they're the last of the sort of Tim Burton 90s era Batman movies like of that campiness nature because even X-Men was kind of different at that time so I think they're kind of a time capsule of what comic book movies used to be so but they're, yeah, they're very silly exactly they're yes. whimsical they don't take themselves too serious. Yes, and despite, the word, despite having very serious moments. Yeah, and the word people used to criticize it as campy, but I think that's even better. Just to say they're just fun and silly, and they're. I mean, you don't need to take them super seriously as some people do, but I mean, just enjoy them because I think they are very enjoyable and just fun to watch. But yeah, whenever whenever I think of those uh, the, that series, I always think of the third one. Oh just gosh. like walking down the street. Yeah, the I watched a video about snapping. how. About how since Peter Parker's such a nerd, that's what he thinks cool. So it's actually okay. <laughs> I I well, think it, are you a Spider Man fan, Luke? I am. I'm a fan of the uh yeah, the original series. There you go. Very that's nice. Awesome. Very nice. Um we'll but, we might have to get you on the movie podcast we'll, sometime. We'll get on the show. Yeah, give us sure, some movies sure. you like. We'll we'll work around you. But um yeah, I yeah, I think they're gonna be fun, but especially talking about the third one, because it is just I mean it's not everything. as bad as you think. It's, that, I was that's going to say it's the worst movie ever made, but that's it's not, not that what bad. I was going to say. I just think it takes the campiness nature and the you know silliness to an ultimate level. As J. Jonah Jameson's table gets filled with more pills each each movie. Like, Jack likes that one. And and you know he tells Eddie Brock to get religion if he wants forgiveness, which is just that's just absurd. And then of course again he literally has. Brock praying that somebody kills Peter Parker in church, which I think is also Well, let's not give away the show here. Not at all. It's a little not preview. It's a little tease. I mean, I mean yeah, it's going to be an hour. So we're Just imagine that conversation blended with the Notre Dame conversation. And with you, Chris Tobias and, also there. And you have a classic episode of Through the Lens. I was about to say, that's about, that's about right. We don't argue that much on Through the Lens. We agree more on movies in most cases. We're like, okay. uh... Until Davis brings out some analytical evidence, then it'll get bad. Or no, anecdotal, my bad. You can't even say it right, which proves I am correct here. (laughs) I don't know if it does that. All right, so speaking of saying it right, we are going to bring back a fan favorite Compact Discourse segment, and that is Word of the Day. Who's going to guess how to spell it? We're going to learn you a thing. I'll I'll open the floor up. The Word of the Day is, of course, fiducial. Fiducial is an adjective, and if anyone would like to spell it, and I'll let someone define it, and then I'll tell you if you're wrong or right. I'll do spell. All right, Davis. The word is fiducial, an adjective. Okay. Can you use it in a sentence? Okay. Um, the fiducial mark on the pane showed me where to weld. Okay. F, fiducial or fiducial? Fiducial. <laughs> mm, that doesn't help. We're going to be here a while. F-E-D-U-C-I-A-L. That was very close, Davis, but unfortunately, you have uh, guessed incorrectly. I've got to guess. Oh, Alex, would you like to guess? Uh, sure, why not? Um, I'm just guessing it's exactly what Davis said, but it's F-A-D-U-C-I-A. Oh, oh, no. no. Uh, there's uh, two I's in the word fiducial. It is what? Fiducial. It is F-I-D-U-C-I-A-L. It is an adjective. Would anyone like to define fiducial for me this morning? Mm, based on the sentence you used, fiducial. I forgot mark. what the sentence. Well, you was. said if the, I, this fiducial mark on the pane showed me where to weld, mm-hmm. so it's like uh, instructional. Instructional or like? Don't steal mine. Yeah, That's I mine. No, no. You got to say something else. Sorry. You or can't yes, and the definition. <laughs> um. Uh, I'm just trying to. Just say that he he's gonna take too long. Say the definition. Yeah, this doesn't make okay. So fiducial is an adjective. It is a something that can be taken as a standard or a reference. Um, ah. It can also, in a less technical sense of the word, be something that is founded on faith or trust. So you can have a fiducial relationship, or and if you have, read a technical document, you can have a fiducial 
mark or indication on a piece of fabric or material. So interesting. That's a good word. We're we're learning you a Thanks thing for or teaching two. Me, yeah, yeah. Fun word. Very Don't nice, ever Jack. say that uh, this is this show's all fun and games because we're pretty serious. Clearly. And uh, speaking of serious, we're gonna reopen the floor to the trivia question. And uh, get your responses to that. You can tweet at us at CDiscAU. That's short for Compact Discourse, of course. That is at C-D-I-S-C-A-U on Twitter. Trivia question, is Alabama State trivia questions, considering the Tigers are playing the Alabama State Hornets this Saturday? The trivia question is, of course, a meteorite fell from the sky in 1954 and did a very specific thing in Oak Grove, Alabama, and we are wondering what that very specific thing was. It's the first verifiable claim of a meteorite doing this thing in recordable history, although it might have happened since then. So there's a clue. It's something that's very rare, as meteorites tend to be. So what did this meteorite in Oak Grove, Alabama, do to become so notorious? I think even on the sign, Welcome to Oak Grove, Alabama, it says home of the Oak Grove meteorite. So what is it that this meteorite did to become so notorious in the history of the world? We'll be right back with some more Compact Discourse on the other side of this break. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM or WeagleFM.com. Well, good morning and welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, broadcasting live from the Harold Melton Student Center, where it is very dark and very, very warm, (laughs) considering that the student center is currently in low power mode as it is Labor Day. Uh, Yeah, Davis, I can see you all right. Um, It is Labor Day and the uh, student center is, is, is shut down effectively, but we are making it in to discuss the world's goings on today on this fine and sunny Labor Day here in Auburn, Alabama. It is, of course, September 6th, 2021. I am joined by Luke Walker, Alex Houston, and Davis Carroll on this Monday morning. They took one for the team and spent their day off with me this morning in the booth for Compact Discourse. All right, so some quick campus announcements for you. You're not going to want to miss these. You can follow at WEGL underscore AU if you want to check out all the updates on this one. But a the latest Weagle session has arrived. That is Hotel Fiction um, performing live on WEGL. If you know about a uh, t- like a tiny desk concert, if you're a fan of NPR, mm-hmm. it's a lot like that. So we, we clear out the bullpen, we invite Hotel Fiction in, and they do a little concert for us. And Dylan, Grayson, and Luke do their best to uh, make it sound good. Not that Hotel Fiction needs a lot of help doing that. So we're excited to have that on the YouTube channel. It's uh, right where you're watching this right now. If you're watching our video stream, it is on the WEGL YouTube channel. What was that one like, Luke? Did you enjoy that, was that one? I was I had never heard of them before, and I was uh, I was blown away. I know Dylan had seen them uh, a couple times previously, but uh, they've just got a really good live presence. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a fan. Got uh, picked up some of their merch they got. Okay. I think they did it themselves actually. If I'm not if I'm not wrong. 
and it was uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and of course, Hotel Fiction signed our, our pet flamingo, Derek. Yes, who may be making tradition. An, maybe making an appearance here on the show sooner or later. So we're excited to have Hotel Fiction. We want to thank them for coming on to WEGL to record a Weagle session, and you can check it out on our YouTube page, and we're excited to see who the next one will be. We're also announcing the Spikeball Tournament presented by UPC. It's going to be September 8th. That is... Hmm. That's that's Wednesday. But uh, it says RSVP by September 7th, so I guess it's an RSVP Spikeball Tournament. Curious. Well, be that as it may, Auburn UPC is once again partnering with Tiger Knights to provide you some exciting evening entertainment, and this time it's in the form of a spike ball tournament. So go ahead, and if you're interested in that, you can go to aub.ie slash spikeball. That's aub.ie backslash spikeball, and you can register by September 7th to enter the spike ball tournament, which will be from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. on the campus green. So once again, thank you to UPC for putting on a endless parade of free events for students throughout the year, and this one is no exception, a spike ball tournament coming up on the campus green on Wednesday evening. Be sure to register by tomorrow if you are interested in participating in that one. All right, moving right along to Auburn Stages. Auburn Stages is going to be this Thursday once again. We are excited to announce Auburn Stages is coming up. So I'm going probably going to have Dylan on the show once again to get you hyped up for what is happening on that one. I think, all right, who we got this week? Uh, this week we've got Joey Fermata. Joey Fermata. I don't know a lot about. Uh, Dylan is really good about um, kind of knowing the local artists and scene. Okay, so we got Joey Fermata, and that is going to be once again on the Cater Lawn, same place as last week. Um, presumably at the same time, but details to come on that one. And I think Dylan will probably be coming on the Wednesday show, the Weagle Wednesday show, where we get Will Root, DJP, all of, all of our music professionals on the show to discuss what they've been listening to. So uh, get excited for the Wednesday show, where we're going to be previewing Auburn Stages with Dylan, talking with DJP, and talking with Will Root as well about all of that. So once again, Weagle Stages is not going anywhere, or Auburn Stages rather, uh, we got Joey Fermata coming up this week, and we've got shows planned all the way to winter break. So don't miss any of them. They're a lot of fun. So that is going to do it for campus announcements. Davis, what do, you, what do you have? What have you brought me? About Rob Ninkovich? Okay, Rob Ninkovich. Get, let's go. So Rob Ninkovich is a former Patriots player. Uh, I believe he was a linebacker. But he is still pretty vocal on Twitter and such. And after Cam Newton's release, he came out and said that he was released because Mac Jones had taught Cam Newton the playbook. So he was basically saying that Cam Newton didn't know anything about the offense and all that. That's kind of like the implied part of that. But then he got called out on it. And then on Instagram, in DMs from fans, he went, yeah, that's a lie. That wasn't very cool of me. But then he also went on to say that Cam Newton's a bad person and he doesn't like him. Like verbatim, he said that? I'll I'll find the actual DMs. But like a pretty crazy thing to say. 
he was like he he was basically like you haven't met Cam Newton in person. Yeah, he said he's. St- I have met Cam Newton in person. Ah. He's a great guy. One explanation I think I saw in one of the DMs. He's like, oh yeah, he just sucks. That's what just that's what Rob said. Is explanation. Uh, citation which, needed. I. He just doesn't like him. To to Rob, not you. Oh um, I mean yeah that, it was just, like. Odd is the word. I think rat poison is the term we use for that one in the SEC. Rat poison? Yeah. Not good for anybody. Ah, okay. Good point. Good point. I see. Yeah, yeah. That was good. Um, But yeah. So man. NFL's coming up. This Thursday is our first game. Is that correct? Yes. It is the kickoff game. I think it which is. is the we can't Bowl. hear you, Alex. Put your mouth in oh, the mic. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, It is the kickoff game, which I think is the Bucks against the Chiefs again. Really? I, no, wait, maybe not. Maybe not. Sorry. No, I don't Let's know. Let's get mad about it, and then he corrects us. Um, oh, it's the Bucks and the Cowboys. My awesome. Bad. Yeah. So, so excited for NFL. Excuse me to kick off this Thursday. Um, I had my fantasy draft last night. You guys playing fantasy this year? Yep, I'm in the am. same league. Oh, indeed. Intriguing, Luke. I'm not this year. I this is the first year I haven't. I always like forget towards the end. And then all the all the like money leagues, it just ends up yeah. me just losing a bunch of money. That's so fair. it's like better better not. You know? I wasn't particularly enthralled with playing fantasy this year. Not but either. I got I got kind of lassoed into it by my fantasy friends. So, you know what? I, I'll play along. I, I like it's 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 pretty fun. It makes the games more interesting. Fantasy football's kind of lost its luster to me. It's not as it's not as fun anymore. Davis is mad because he's bad at it, and he's like, I, I did just... better than you last year when you were bright eyed and bushy tailed. First we're time like you ever. Equal. So what's your point? Uh, I had I Christian know. McCaffrey. Okay, I just—it's not that fun to me. I yeah, last year was a tough one for me as well. I drafted Saquon Barkley with the second pick in the draft, and he tore his ACL all five minutes into that season. So that was that. And Davis, you had McCaffrey, who also had injury—the injury bug as well. And I so. came—I came back from like second to last place to end up in like fourth place or something. And Something yeah, crazy. I had Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson traded away Aaron Rodgers. That was a bad idea in hindsight, obviously. But what pick do you have tonight, Alex, for the draft? I think it's eighth. I want to say not not good. It is the the serpentine style draft, so it won't be too terrible. Okay, but so, so you'll come back and get like the twelfth pick. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I'm a little nervous though because I don't know. Last year I, I kind of just barely made it because there were so many other teams that were a lot worse than me rather than me actually. Well, Alex's gonna have to do the punishment this year. I'm gonna make sure of it. He's gonna have to cover himself in mayonnaise and run a mile. I don't want to do that. So that's when, not the how how much mayonnaise. Are that's we what I was gonna. How, how many? Covered? I think it's just covered. Like, are we getting like? I'm not really sure. It's not my punishment. I think it's a good lather. <laughs> Obviously, you're not gonna be, one jar. You maybe I think. It, is enough to cover your your whole body. Leo's Obviously not your whole body because well. you're still going to be wearing I, I, some clothes. I think clothes. y'all should clarify that beforehand, you know, because one one man's uh, appetite's another man's indigestion. So exactly. like, oh, someone yeah, might want very nice, very nice. a little bit more mayonnaise on It's also going to be December when this punishment gets doled out. Is that correct? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's why I'm going to make sure Alex loses. <laughs> what, Davis, why don't we just agree to team up and make sure somebody else doesn't? We can't. How are you going to do that in fantasy? You I don't guys, know. It's, called, guys, ma- it's col- called making trades. Collusion? Colluding, you know. Conspiracy? I I'm not a big fan of this 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 punishment. I yeah, Dave. I, th- I thought you had, a, you pretty, you had a pretty good alternate punishment. My so for our league, we had to like we had to come up with our own punishment and like like propose it, and everybody voted on it. And Mayo Mile won. Mine was that you had to set up a lemonade stand. That was already one I kind of seen, but I I across the street from Tumor's Corner, Tumor's Lemonade, like Tumor's Drugs, and you had to sell a certain amount of lemonade. 
in a certain amount of time, you wouldn't be able to leave. Well, like, how how would you? I mean, there's no. So how do you leave, Alex? It's not the punishment, so who cares? Well, okay, is that is Are that you trying to poke holes in a, a punishment that's not happening? Davis is just you. We could have to... done Dallas Buyers Club style. We have to you sign up for a membership and then you hand out lemonade. Uh, or you just have I'm this is my fantasy football punishment. Please take lemonade. You got to wear the sandwich board. Did y'all see that uh, the 24-hour Waffle House punishment? Yeah, yeah that's that classic. was the that other big crazy. one in our league. Yeah, I didn't want to do that one. There was another one that was put forth but never actually made it to the to the voting stand that was. You had to put on an Auburn basketball-like uniform, full gear, and uh, guard people walking by in the Haley Concourse that's pretty for an hour and 30 minutes. And every legal charge that you drew was 10 minutes off your time. I had a thing about I didn't want to get other people – I didn't want to mess with other people. Like, I didn't want to have to, like – Interfere with their day I don't by like to guarding them on run the a mile in yeah. mayonnaise, R- ruin someone's day just because I don't do well in yeah. football. Yeah, I'd rather like you sell lemonade. That's fun. That's not gonna like change their day much. But like or you guarding them, them, that might that might make them aggravated or something. I don't know. I just don't like to mess people with mess. They might they might look a, lo- a little upset if they uh, yeah they see you covered in mayonnaise though. So but they're not gonna <laughs> see that. You're gonna we're gonna have a private track. Private track. <laughs> Rent well, I'm not going to have to do it, so Good it's luck. okay. We'll just do it in the wreck. <laughs> what? We're not going to do it in Auburn, I doubt. All right. So we're going to figure out where the Mayo Mai will be and so much more on the other side of this break. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. When we come back, we'll be talking about a little bit about the NFL season, what we're excited for, what we're not excited for, and what we think will be different this year as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers look to defend their title. We will be right back to Compact Discourse after these messages. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Alex Houston, Davis Carroll, and Luke Walker on this Labor Day morning. It is Monday, September 6th, 2021. It is sunny outside and it is hot and dark in the Harold Melton Student Center as the building is in low power mode for this holiday weekend. Of course, it was a game day weekend. Auburn trounced Akron 60-10, to and they are looking forward to their in-state matchup against Alabama State at 11 a.m. on the SEC Network in Jordan-Hare Stadium against the Alabama State Hornets, who the Tigers saw back in 2018 and handled pretty well. So we are looking for a similar, similar result coming up on this Saturday. But... Let's head over to professional football as the NFL season is kicking off this Thursday. And we are all very excited for that, uh, even if we're not that excited for fantasy. But I'm excited for the NFL season. It's, it's going to be – last season was kind of weird. It was a, it was a COVID-affected season. It wasn't really shortened or lengthened or the games weren't affected very much. But – there was a, a general weirdness about the whole situation, I think you could argue. So I'm excited to have hopefully full stadiums and hopefully not many jokes about stadiums being empty because of COVID because that's not a funny joke anymore. Was it never funny? It was never funny, for the record, Davis. Thank you. 
we, I'm ready for all the thousand Bishop Sycamore jokes this year that aren't funny anymore already. Yeah, that's bad. Um, I mean, how's she crying? What? Your eye looked like I'm you were tired. crying, man. I, I'm tired. I went to bed at 12:30 and got up at six. I'm tired. Sorry. But, it sounds like um, a you issue. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but you asked if I was crying. That's my explanation. Okay. What okay. What are you gonna play, Jack? I got one. How about oh. this one? We do not care. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little NFL segue for you, as that's uh, Mike Tomlin from the Pittsburgh Steelers continuing to be the coolest NFL head coach ever. Good take. Uh, Pittsburgh's taking on Buffalo this Sunday at noon for all of us here in God's time zone. That's central time zone. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, let's take a look around the NFL to see about any exciting week one matchups. We got, of course, the showcase game, um, the defending national champs, Super Bowl world champs, I guess you could call them, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, are taking on the Dallas Cowboys in Ray J on September 9th. That's Thursday. Um, as, t- as far as your Sunday games, we have Philadelphia taking on Atlanta. That's your first noon game. That one's in Atlanta. You got Pittsburgh taking on Buffalo, like I said, as the Bills Stadium has a new name. It is Highmark Stadium now, no longer New Era. That one is at noon as well. Uh, the Vikings and Bengals are squaring off in Cincinnati. Uh, the 49ers will be playing the Lions. The Cardinals are taking on the Titans. The Seahawks will play the Colts. The Chargers will be playing the Washington football team. And Sam Darnold will be playing his old team as the Jets take on the Panthers in B of A in Charlotte. And your final 12 o'clock noon game in an AFC South matchup, Jaguars-Texans as that one looks to be very exciting. And then moving on to your afternoon games, we have the Browns taking on the Chiefs in an AFC champ- or AFC playoff rematch. Uh, the Dolphins taking on the Patriots, always an exciting matchup. That one's up in Foxborough, two Bama quarterbacks going at it in that one. A uh, NFC big matchup, the Packers are playing the Saints. That one's going to be moved to Jacksonville as Louisiana continues to recover from Hurricane Ida. And we're going to have the Broncos play the Giants in MetLife. The Bears will take on the Rams in SoFi Stadium at 720. That's your Sunday night game. And then Monday night football will be the Baltimore Ravens playing the Las Vegas Raiders in Allegiant Stadium in the Death Star in Las Vegas, Nevada. So that is your NFL scoreboard for this weekend. Excited to get NFL going. Um... And for the first time since February, and uh, this season should be a lot of fun, a lot of storylines, a lot of yeah. di- new quarterbacks, yeah. which always makes the league more exciting. I was going to say that I'm very interested to see in the first few weeks which quarterbacks you know stand out because there are so many. You know, I mean, you've got Darnold playing against his former team and against their quarterback Zach Wilson, who you know people have been kind of questioning exactly how much he'll translate to the NFL considering he played the BYU schedule his entire college career because you know that is one of the things that's never consistent you know Carson Wentz played at FCS schedule and Mm -hmm. he ended up better than players like maybe I would well better than some players like maybe Mitch Trubisky who played an all ACC schedule so I think that'll be interesting but I also really wanted to see what Tua Tagovailoa will look like without a Ryan Fitzpatrick behind him to sort of threaten to take his spot because this will be his first full year where he actually has the reins. So I think that'll be very interesting to see. Right, and I think the first person to figure out 
how college talent will transfer to NFL will never have to work a day again in their life because that is continues to be yeah. the biggest variable that no one has been able to figure out. And and you saw that with the diverse collection of quarterbacks that got drafted uh, this April. We had a, a proven quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who lost one game in his entire college career. You had a, I would say, unproven quarterback in Zach Wilson who played that BYU schedule and uh, didn't have a ton of college prowess under his belt, but a lot of talent. And then you had someone, a complete wild card in Trey Lance, who barely played a game in college. Um, but people were excited to see him reunited with his old quarterbacks coach. And the level of talent was basically what people were basing the draft pick yeah. off of. So a lot of interesting quarterback picks and a lot of reshuffling. Uh, I know I'm very excited to see what that Los Angeles-Detroit trade is going to mean as Matt Stafford's now starting for the Rams with um, – Blonde guy from UCLA, Josh Rosen. No? What do you mean? He's, who's the Lions quarterback? Uh, it's Goff. Goff. Because they did the swap. Josh Rosen. Oh. He went Ro- to Cal. Rosen, yeah, yeah. He went, he went to Cal. Cal. Rosen, Rosen went to UCLA, but I don't know where Rosen is right now. He just got signed again by somebody. He's I don't on remember. the Bucks. Right. Yes, he's on the Bucks. I'm very intrigued about the Matt uh, Stafford one because, you know, Stafford's been that guy who – was with a team forever that was just well, he's terrible. He's on the Falcons. Rosen's on the Falcons. Right, right, right. Um, he was with a team that was bad forever. The yeah, team the could team not was bad. Matt yeah. Stafford was very good. Exactly, but I'm just curious to see how, because, you know, some quarterbacks and some players throughout all sports, right, you know, they either they ascend to a new level when they finally get that new team or they sputter and you realize, wait, maybe they were part of the problem as well. I'm interested to see how it'll end up. Again, the Rams are not a perfect team by any stretch, but they're certainly better put together than the Lions. They have an actual functioning defense and an offensive coordinator that seems to know what he's doing. How how old is Matthew Stafford? I feel like he's, he's been around. He's like for 32, a while. 33. Yeah, because he he was at Georgia in like 2008. So he's put, I think he's 32, as Davis said. I'm gonna Google it right now. Though. I got it. Oh, Davis has it. He is 33. Called it. Which again, though, you know, age is also very odd with quarterbacks now because again tom yeah. brady's playing for eternity and he doesn't but like yeah w- winning winning takes the years off you Exa- know yeah exactly not, not getting hit stafford has been injured a lot throughout his career he i think he he only first played 16 games in his career like his third or fourth year because how many times he got injured so there's that but i mean the rams certainly have time and they're certainly in win now mode because they've got a million people on a million different large contracts right McVay is going to be rebuilding this team in probably five years. And there's a lot of pressure to do well from the city now that you have a competitor in the Chargers and the city, and then you also have this new stadium you're sharing with the Chargers. Exactly, so you don't yeah. To, you don't want to get overshadowed. Exactly, which I don't think that's even – I mean, even no matter how good the Chargers are, I don't even mean there's just no fan base for them in L.A. Anyway, I think we already saw that enough. But that is a good point is that you certainly don't want to be the second-best team in your own stadium, of which you were the first team to want to go there anyway. Thing, and they'll just move to St. Louis in like two years anyway, so it's fine. I can't wait for the remake of Money Talks in the new Coliseum. What? Just think about that one. Jack gets that. Yeah, there's a great Chris Tucker and Charlie Sheen movie called Money Talks. Uh, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, check it out. There's a pretty cool – the climax of the movie takes place in the L.A. Coliseum, and a lot of it gets blown up, and it looks like awesome. practical effects. It is so, so cool. I'm Ooh. not sure how they pulled that off. That's very, that's very interesting. Maybe it's a miniature. It's not. Could They're be. In it. They might have pulled a day. Uh, uh, How in, would they have done that? They're in it. 
Hey, I mean, like that's like how they that's did all movie Star Wars. magic. You think they've spent that miniatures. much time on money talks? I don't know. Let's see how much money that. There's a lot of care made. put into money talks. Money talks is awesome. I don't know. I'm gonna Google it right now. See if you guys are right or wrong. All right, so we're gonna conclude this segment by doing a little fit check, as we like to do here on Compact Discourse. Um, Davis, I'll let you kick things off with uh, your shirt of the day. What what have you what have you, what are you wearing? All right, I'll stand up. I'm gonna have to give the turnaround. Can you see it? Um, back up a little bit. Do the 360 and then talk about it. Okay. Nice. Got it. <laughs> wow. All right, so this shirt today is a Dale Earnhardt Jr. shirt, as you saw on the back. His face is just staring at anybody that happens to be walking behind me. Uh, this one fits pretty well. It's an extra large. I got it from the America's Thrift Store in Mobile, in Tillman's Corner by my house, or near my house. Uh, what does it say? What does it say? I, I, I can't read let, it. Let me, it's let so me, hard let me to read. Let Alex read it. It says, uh, so that's quick start, because uh, it's Dale Jr. quick from the start, because it's Mount, uh, yeah, and then turn around. And then it says, um, get to the finish, and then there's got Dale there picture you go. on there as well. Yeah. Because well we, we might add, this is a uh, this is Amp era Dale Earnhardt Ah, uh, yes, Jr. when he went not, to number 88 instead of 8. Not Budweiser. Yes. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Indeed, which, so, of course, um, Dale being... America's NASCAR driver. That's correct. Yes. I will say this shirt's a little different from what I'm used to because I like shirts that kind of have a block, like it does that aren't going all the way up on the shoulders. The graphic is. I'm not used to this, yeah, so it's a little different for me, and it goes onto the back as well. But I still, I'm in, I like it. It's certainly a unique style. I feel like this was a gifted for Christmas, sent to Goodwill six months later kind of. It's uh, a cool shirt. It's vintage. Kind of thing. It's I think very, Luke yeah. has a pretty cool, cool shirt if we want to get him on Shirt of the Day, from what I can see. You got the uh, the old Hallelujah right here. Okay. Oh, my okay. gosh. Yeah, I can see that. Big, big Mavericks fan over here, Luke. That Alex, and, Alex can Lu- and Luke can talk about the Mavericks. I was about to say, we, we can talk about that in the final segment. Okay, good deal. And then um, I'll cap things off. But, oh, how about that? Um, I'm talking about my hat. I'm currently wearing a uh, Sendero hat, which is one of my favorite uh, outerwear Brands that is based out of Waco, Texas, and they make really cool Western wear. Um, their sim- uh, their logo is an uh, agave plant, and they are Spirit of the West, Soul of the Wild. So this is their classic hat. It's kind of a dry fit, waterproof situation. It's a rope hat, which is always cool to see. It's got a mesh interior and is a snapback, so you can wear it backwards pretty easily. I might I'll close out the show wearing it backwards just to show it's diverse. Um, but yeah. That is your Compact Discourse Fit Check of the Day. So that is one more incentive for you to be watching our video live stream so you don't just have to listen to us describe the outfits. You can check it out in living color for yourself. But that is going to do it for this segment of Compact Discourse. When we come back, we will be discussing the Mavericks, I presume, and anything else that comes to our mind during the break as we probably talk about our Labor Day plans as as it is, of course, a long weekend, and we'll be discussing what is going on throughout the rest of the week here at Weagle and around campus. You're listening to Compact Discourse. Don't go anywhere. And welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL. 
91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Davis Carroll, Alex Houston, and Luke Walker as we welcome you into the Bradley Basin WEGL studios in the Harold Melton Student Center where it is super dark in here and super warm as well as the AC does not seem to be functioning very well but it is probably warmer out here than it is outside where it is a sunny 73 degrees it is going to rain probably this afternoon as we have a 53 percent chance of rain coming up this afternoon so if you're out at lake martin or on your way there right now be sure to plan accordingly don't get caught in that one and we're still looking at hurricane larry who is making his way across the atlantic ocean probably making landfall sometime this week. It is currently a Category 3, so we are currently keeping our eyes on that one. All right, it's the final segment of the show, so let's go crazy. I know Alex and Davis, you guys are big NBA fans. I'm, Luke, yes, you're a big I'm Luca a, fan, I'm Mavs big, fan. Big Mavs fan. I mean, fan yeah, head over to Luke's Twitter to see probably the coolest picture of a Mavs fan you'll ever see as his uh, pinned tweet and uh, – so, yeah, are you guys – how are we feeling about – I mean, NBA – I mean, we're talking about football, but NBA is also coming up pretty soon as well uh, in October. So It's going to be exciting, but first of all, Jack, I want to say just what an amazing song to bring us back from the break, truly. I mean, it's the master mix. Uh, you, have, you have to go all out for the final segment. Definitely, but I think it's exciting. Um, you know, all the teams really retooled. It'll be interesting to see how the Bucks fare now with uh, – the East kind of trying to match them in some regard. Um, Brad Stevens no longer at Boston, or as the coach at Boston at least. That'll be interesting. And whatever the Lakers will do, because they completely rebuilt their team. Not completely. What are, what are your thoughts on the Lakers? I think it's going to be a mess, but LeBron always proves me wrong. Every time I think it's not going to be good, that's when they're their best. So, like, but I mean. Alex, no LeBron hater. How does, okay, but I'm not, No. But, like, legitimately, how is Westbrook going to work? Westbrook and LeBron need the ball. That's not a critique on LeBron necessarily because when he needs the ball, it works. Like, it's not bad that he doesn't work off the ball, but they both need the basketball. And, like, there is there is a possibility of too many. Like, it did happen with, um, with Brooklyn because James Harden is pretty good at sort of, you know, playing a point guard role and being sort of second fiddle to the other guys. He's been good at that his whole career. But with L.A. is Westbrook. I don't think Westbrook is any good at that. Yeah, And I just don't know how, because at the same time, you want to give the ball to Anthony Davis in the paint a lot, because nobody can stop him when he's healthy. But then, who sacrifices? And again, how good are they going to be doing if Westbrook just, you know, takes up the court and, like, throws it off the backboard three straight possessions in the playoffs, which is what he does. So, I don't I, know. I, I think they're going to regret that move. Yeah. Um, I think you definitely need some some bench players. You can't just have the, the starting five out there the whole time carrying it. Yeah, um, definitely. I think if they were going to try to go for the big splash, they should have pushed much harder for Dame or Bradley Beal or yeah. any other pe- person like that. I think Russell Westbrook was who they settled for. Definitely. Russell Westbrook's good in his own right, but in this team, I'm not sure if he's the right fit. Definitely not. I mean, look, I, Alex I also known Russell Westbrook hater. Not no, it's not a known what Russell Westbrook hater if it's fact. Like, I'm a Russell Westbrook believer now. I believe, like Russell Westbrook. Believer in what, Davis? Inefficiency and in turnovers. He's a good player. He has his issues, like every player in the in the league does. But he's good. I mean, yeah, but oh, okay. What? Go keep going with your thing. It, there's no denying that he is talented, sure. But I mean, the fact is, he doesn't work on a winning team yet. When that happens, 
that'll be surprising. But as of right now, it doesn't really work unless he's the top guy. Working his second fiddle with somebody else, I'm not sure. And The Thunder made it to the finals when he was second fiddle. But that was also that was also no, 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 no. Don't say it's different because it's not. It was because he, he shared the ball with KD and Harden. And he has basically stopped playing like that since, Davis. Not really. Yeah, I mean, he, he has. still plays the same way. But the thing is, yes, he does have issues. I, I'll be the first to admit that. But when he plays his best... He is he he can be the number one guy on any team in the league. I think it's kind of a weird complex with him because I don't see him being the number one guy yeah. and carrying a team to that um, winning position. But at the same time, I don't see him fitting in as just like a piece in the puzzle. That's yeah, what like I'm a, saying. Is like I, I think the three. only the only time Westbrook is at his best is when he is the number one guy. I don't know how it'll work out when he is having to share it with LeBron and Anthony Davis because the thing is Westbrook is kind of a quantity over quality type of guy where the more he gets the ball the better Look, he will be. I don't think the sharing the ball is going to be the issue with him. I think the three-point shooting is going to be the issue with the Lakers cuz he can't shoot. That's true. I, he can't. I mean just simply he cannot. But he is amazing at sharing the ball. He's pretty good. He's okay off ball even though he can't shoot. That but he's a good cutter. That's the one thing is high that energy. I think LeBron makes people into spot-up three-point shooters, as seen with what happened with Kevin Love, and I don't know how Westbrook will be able to do that because he can't. Like, well, I think like Westbrook, Westbrook has a strong enough will that he's going to be like, LeBron, I'm not going to spot-up shoot. You're going to give me the ball, or I'm going to cut to the basket. I don't know. I, it'll be interesting they to see can how just, it works Or they now. can just run They can run it where when LeBron's off the floor, Westbrook's on to carry it, take up the ball, throw it down low to AD, which he did with Steven Adams for a few years, and also Serge Ibaka. All of them. He knows how to handle with someone down low. He also knows how to handle with a, a small forward or power forward in KD. It's not the first time he's ever done this. I think the Lakers will have issues, but I don't think they're going to mess up everything. I don't. I mean, setup. I mean, I really think – I mean, it comes down to it. I'm not saying that they're going to be, you know, not a playoff team because they're obviously going to make the playoffs. They have too much talent to do that. And I'm not saying they're not going to make the Western Conference Finals because they're probably going to do that too because they're just that talented. But when you look at a team like the Lakers, what is failing? Failing is not winning the NBA Finals or not making it. And I don't think they'll win it. And regardless, you can say, oh, well, they had a great season. That doesn't matter. That is a failure for the team. That's how it works, right? Like, you know, that like, like Davis, mm-hmm. you're a Bucks fan, and I know – and I, I know that, obviously. I know how much you care about the Bucks, but would it not be a failure if they do not make it back to the finals? Certainly you won't be, you know, starting a riot, obviously, right? But that would be considered a failure. Not, you know, oh my gosh, it's the end times for the Bucks, blow up the team, which is not what I'm saying with the Lakers. But again, if you don't reach your end goal of what you spent all that money to acquire this superstar team, then that is a failure. And I do not think that, I don't think they'll win it. I think they could make it because the West is weird. The West is very inconsistent, specifically with the Clippers and the Suns as well, as we saw Chris Paul in the finals. I don't know, because the West is like that, but I don't think they'll win. I don't I don't I honestly don't think they'll beat the Bucks. So, like, in that regard, yes, I do think it's a bad season for the Lakers if they don't win the finals, because that's what they're there to do. They assemble that team to do that. And anything less than that is not a is not a good season. It's much like any dynasty, like the Heat. The Heat making the finals in 2011 and 2014 wasn't the end all, the end times for them, but it certainly wasn't a successful season. Okay, but okay, you're you're talking so much, you're confusing me. You're you're trying to maybe miss the point here. Why do you think? Why do you think they would miss the finals? Just say it. Uh, Because I do not believe that that team will work together well in the playoffs. Okay, 
And I, I think, think they I think, can. I think it's a it, it's a weird meshing of talent. So I, I think I agree. I, I agree. Yeah. It is a weird meshing of talent. But I think Alex isn't giving up Westbrook enough credit and, here and to even, be able to work off. Even ball. if they string it together by the towards the end of the season, if it hurts them enough in the early goings, they'll get a lower seed and get a lot tougher road to the finals as well. That's something that also happens with a lot of teams like this. I think they will have a lot of growing pains, but I think Westbrook can figure something out. And if not, they can just trade him. But I mean, that's the thing is his contract is so big and his market value will be so incredibly low by that point. Who wants to mortgage their future for Russell Westbrook at that point? The only people that did it was the Wizards because they wanted to make Bradley Beal happy. Trade him back to the really Thunder need. and get some more. Give him, give him some Presti some the more th- picks. The Thunder, the th- wait. So you would you would send Westbrook and picks to Sam Presti for who? Shea Gilders Alexander. Boom. That'd be crazy. They're that'd, not be, gonna, that'd, be a, that'd be a goat move. I'd do, I'd do that in 2K. That wouldn't happen. I was kidding, of course, but that'd be awesome. I hope so. I just think Paul George should go back to the Indiana Pacers so, so we can have that, start, yeah. start using that stroke PSA again. All right, here's a funny story before we get out of here today. All right, you guys remember when uh, when Lil Uzi Vert had that uh, that diamond put in his head? Yeah. So he uh, he revealed this past weekend that while he was at Rolling Loud and jumped into the crowd – at his performance, it got ripped out of his head. The fans ripped no it out. Yeah. yeah, the twenty-four million dollar <laughs> pink diamond. Twenty-four. Twenty-four million dollar diamond that little Uzi Vert had embedded in his forehead back in February got ripped out of his head uh, at Rolling Loud in July. But he was able to recover it um, inexplicably. So he, he he says he's okay. He's doing okay. Um, he's glad he was able to recover it and. He's glad that he's glad he's still got the diamond inside of him, is what he says. So, I mean, we were just so worried about him. I'm glad we could get that update, uh, Jack. Thank you, very Alex. Much. You weren't worried about him. I that, was. That was the, Lucy's awesome. Did you not hear that? Never mind. All right. So I think that is going to do it for today's show. I want to thank Alex and Davis for coming on today, and I want to congratulate Luke for making his radio debut on Compact Discourse. And I want to extend my most sincere appreciation to all you guys for taking some time out of your day off to ensure what the show went on today. I want to remind all of our listeners that we will not be having a show on Thursday, but we will be having one tomorrow and one you're not going to miss on Wednesday when we get DJP, Will Root, and Dylan Basden in the studio to talk Auburn stages, music, what's new on Weagle, all kinds of fun stuff. So for Luke, Alex, and Davis, thank you guys for listening, and uh, let's get out of here. So thank you so much for listening to this exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna, wigglefm.com, listening to our podcast, or watching our live stream on YouTube right now in the dark. Uh, We want to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Compact Discourse. I use Spotify. It works just like that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDiscAU. That's C-D-I-S-C-A-U for links to the podcast and more. You can also get your conversation on the show. If you got a hot take, send it our way. You can go ahead and follow Weagle on Instagram and Twitter. That's at W-E-G-L underscore A-U. And our dedicated team of marketing professionals is working tirelessly to provide you high-quality content throughout the week. And Dylan is killing it on Weagle Sessions and Auburn Stages. But for Jack Hart, Luke Walker, Alex Houston, and Davis Carroll, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back tomorrow, Tuesday, at 8 a.m. with another exciting episode.